I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Jim. I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 431 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast that we're doing without Riff, because I'm so sad. I mean, because Riff isn't here. I'm sad because Riff isn't here. It's about 431. Is it? Is it? Yeah. I, dude, I don't know. Is that what? Is that why everyone stopped talking except me? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, no, I said I, a number I think before you got it right. we started. 431, is that what I said? Good. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound right, but... You know, I've been asleep for a really long time, so what do I know? Uh, two, 241. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, yeah, that makes, that makes more sense. Okay, I'm not 40 yet. All right, good. Me neither. Yeah. We do about about 50 of these a year. So we've been doing this for almost five years. Yeah. That's that's good. You think we'd be better at it by now? <laughs> Not even a little bit. <laughs> we like our like our raison d'être was like a raison d'être. Yes, was uh, uh Albert Bublé. Yes. <laughs> what a second. André Bublé. Uh was André like Bublé. Idle thumbs quoi. idle thumbs having lapsed and us needing to fill some sort of void. Of and then they came back and we're like, well, fuck, now André what? Bubel. They're back, like André Bubel. Frisson. Frisson? I don't know how to pronounce words. Frisson's uh, good. What's the word for the stairway? Uh, uh, escalier? Yeah. The, 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 the like... Esprit du corps. <laughs> um. It's not esprit de escalier. It's like the... It's the... um. The the French oh, word oh, for oh, the, with the thinking of the thing, thing you should have on said. the way on the way out yeah, up yeah. And down the stairs or whatever yeah I don't remember that's a that's a good Savoir-faire. it's like Schadenfreude yeah it's like a it's like a thing that there should be a word for spaghetti yeah there really ought to be a word in English for that <laughs> <laughs> ah you guys have, have the listeners have the listeners sent mail like I'm excited oh uh well. I know, I know that at least one of the males was like, uh, everybody should name their top five games. What, really? Yeah. Because somebody asked that in the, in, the, in the Slack, and then I was like, I was about to answer, I was like literally typing out, like, these are probably my top five, and they were like, no, wait, don't answer. I'm going to send it in as a question. I see. Well, mm. they didn't. Smart. <gasps> Shock. Are we getting right into, we're not going to go right to listener's mail, don't we? We, we need we, to sh- we we I was like, just I just saw you loading it and I got excited. No, it's just it's just always here. It's always here on my laptop that yeah, I have yeah, on my lap. Fair enough. Uh, no, we're guys, we're without Riff here, Riff is Every, our Everything's in our display. Riff is our keystone. Riff is our that trapezoid that goes at the top of an arch that makes the arch work. Yeah, where is Riff? He's with his parents now. Oh. oh. In Portland, having a good old time, <laughs> having dinner or visiting a strip club. I don't I know. I think he's been posting a lot of pictures from like museums, like art museums. Oh. Well that's nice. Yeah. Cool. You should, you should follow Riff on Twitter. Yeah, you should follow Riff's parents on Twitter. Oh, wow, are his parents on Twitter? I doubt it. That would be kind of great. I don't know. Riff's dad might be on Twitter. He's a, what, he's a, like an English professor? He's an English lit professor at Virginia State or I don't know, because, University of Virginia? Like, did he, West Virginia? Did he like guest at oxford for a while or like why does he have like such strong ties i believe that he did yeah when uh, when kevin and i i don't know if you know this story jim when kevin and riff and i went to england uh this was like 2007 maybe okay we uh 
Riff was like, oh, yeah, my dad wants us to look up a friend of his who's a professor. And we're like, all right, well, we'll hang out with this boring old man for a few minutes and then we'll go do whatever we want. And the guy turned out to be like awesome and like took us on a a pub tour. Showed showed us around for like an hour of historical sites. And he was like, are you guys ready to for the drinking part of this tour? Because boy, I am. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, we got to we went to a bar that had been in continuous operation as a bar for 900 years. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, in Europe, that's nothing. Was we that all the, had a duck. Was that the one that had the like ties? Yeah, all of the the collections of ties from various boarding school classes that were like apparently like based on the photos, they were all like twelve year old boys who would drink there and then throw their right. ties <laughs> on the wall. Uh, we went to the bar where uh, where Tolkien and C.S. Lewis hung out. Yeah, the Eagle and Child. I heard. J.R.R. Tolkien's real name, like his, his, what did his initials expand out to? Oh, yeah. Jonathan and it was, Ronald Rule. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. I, all I remember is that it was really funny. I didn't remember what it was. <laughs> Why is that? How is that funny? I don't know. It's Jonathan Ronald and then R-U-E-U-L or something. It's like R-U-E-U-L. Joth. Rule. Rule. Yeah. Jonathan Ronald Rule, I think. That's just a weird, that's a pretty weird name. Sure. You can see why he goes by J.R.R. Yeah. Yeah. He could be John, Johnny, good old Johnny Tolks. Johnny Tolks? Yeah. One Tolk over the line. Right. (laughs) Because I read The Silmarillion. (laughs) That was too many books to read. That was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, The Silmarillion is totally a strain of marijuana somewhere. Okay. It's gotta be. Every time somebody, like, I think Don DeLillo is giving a talk soon and, like, uh, Chris Remo and Sarah Argadale are, like, tweeting about it to see if anybody wants I think to it was, Sarah, maybe. I think it was last night. Okay. Well, but every time I see Don DeLillo, I yep. think, oh, Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo, and then I start saying, oh, you don't Don, think Don DeLillo, oh, Don Matthew DeLillo. Lillard. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Hmm. Man, what if Don DeLillo, uh, what if one of Don DeLillo's novels was adapted into a movie starring Matthew Lillard? Okay. That was all I had. (laughs) You know who's great? Matthew Lillard. Yeah. He is dominate. (laughs) He does. He feels dominate, at least. You know, and that's the important thing. I did not get any traction on my (laughs) Kentucky Derby tweet. What was your... I so I have clop, to admit, clop clop nay. What's horse is this? <laughs> See, That's so good. Oh, you guys like it? Okay. <laughs> Here's a question: Were people trolling the fuck out of me this week on Twitter with my with my puzzle, or like, is there some serious like ballpoint? Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I would say a dozen people responded. Yeah. Like. Yeah, well, I, I think like, that was deliberate. Okay, yeah. I think you have a lot of uh, video games hot dog listeners okay. that are that follow your oh, puzzles. Oh my and god! It's funny that you. It's funny <laughs> you sort of brought it on yourself by making a puzzle that the answer was pin. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Fine. I was just sad. I'm sad every time I do my funny response to that, and I wasn't paying attention when you posted it, and somebody has already beat me to it. Sure. <laughs> You should take a riff, riffs tack, which is just, just do a total orthogonal thing, which which only makes sense for, like, one of the answers. Yeah. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to knock at that fave. I need that validation, <laughs> you know? I need... I get so sad if I, if I post an answer and you don't fave it. I'm like, well, uh-huh. maybe he's in the shower. I don't know. Used to be I could just look. <laughs> 
Now it's more complicated. I have to open up the camera software. (laughs) So I usually don't bother. Is Kevin in the shower dot cool? Oh, huh. It's it's a webcam stream. Remember the other day when Abe Vigoda died? This is this is worse than the time the Olsen twins turned eighteen. <laughs> with some a website had is that to, also a website, a website yeah. had to change all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's, it was probably wrong for like an hour. I bet. Oh, because of time zones. Well, or I'm just guessing. Like Abe Vigoda. I, I'm guessing like the the guy who runs the site had to read the news oh, and then. Oh, oh I, you know, I feel like I found out about Abe Vigoda being dead minutes after it became knowledge, and the website had already been updated. Like oh, the wow. guy, like like whoever that was that had been running that site for. 20 years so the only way you could really be sure is to kill him yourself mm, maybe that's what happened maybe, do we know that that site wasn't run by alzheimer's disease <laughs> no this is maybe we a don't. weird slash morbid question to ask it's not really morbid i guess so if you were born on the you know eastern seaboard or whatever right are you 18 when it is your birthday in the time zone that you were born or are you 18 like is there some sort of weird like by a couple of hours like rule where you could vote or could like have a drink for the first time or not be committing you know like statutory rape or whatever right like do do you know what i mean like like strictly speaking like until like the minute you were born on your birthday. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that they care about that. I don't think they care what time you were born, so I also don't think they care about what time zone so you were born in. Day. I think it's local time. Local time like, day. Local time yeah. midnight, yeah. Okay. Because th- like, there's not the international dateline, which could potentially screw I be- things. I bet there's case law about this. That, that's probably a good point, actually. I do know that it is legal for you to drink after midnight on your 21st birthday. Right on the day before your twenty first birthday, like right. starting at midnight on is, is your actual midnight. You're actually twenty one. Like not every legally. bar will let you do that, but as we have, found it's out. not le. It's it's legal right. to do it. Um, but not every judge will let you do it, but it's legal. Right, right. It's not like a hundred percent legal. You know, <laughs> you can only drink in specific places, bars they call them. Right. Um, you can't just walk down the street with a drink. Go to international waters. It is really weird that you can't just be on the street with a drink in most places. Well, you can if you just put it in a brown paper bag and nobody hassles you. Unless you're black. Really? I feel like we that, could get away probably with true, it, yeah. but probably minorities could not. Huh. Or or just people who look poor. Yeah. But the, the brown paper bag thing is a weird like compromise. It's like... You know, this is a dumb no, law. As long as no children see you drinking, yeah. is that the idea? Yeah. there's Or something, like, you know, propriety or whatever it is that, like... My feeling has always been, though, like, I also feel the same way about laws against drinking while you're driving, because it, like, if you drive to a bar, yeah. drink a beer, and drive home, like, yeah. nobody thinks you've committed a crime there, right? One beer... Probably some people think that you've committed a crime there. If you weigh like fifty pounds. But if you drive, yeah. if you drive to a store, buy a can of beer, and then drink it in the car on the way home, oh, sure. you're driving less with less alcohol in your system. But that second one is super fucking illegal, and the first one is not, and that doesn't make any sense. Like driving drunk is already against the law, so drinking in the car doesn't need to be. And the fact that it is, it just it doesn't. The open container is just a thing to point to, like a literal, like a literal object. 
that in any I mean I could see it I could see having an open container of alcohol being probable cause for forcing you to take a sobriety test but it, even that doesn't matter right like if the, like in a lot of states if yeah, as long as the cop just, decides decide. if you're drunk you're screwed right uh shamu writes do you have any affection for any nintendo specific franchises like star fox or mario brothers for me those franchises basically sell those systems so whenever i'm about to get a console again it absolutely will be nintendo because their first party stuff is just so damn charming and good i definitely have I, it, it's weird because it's almost a thing of the past for me i have enormous affection for the mario series um, and I used to have enormous affection for the Zelda series. And then you played the what, randomized I mean, Zelda forever. Actually, I still, I liked that. Okay. Um, I, it was really Skyward Sword that kind of made me realize I haven't liked a Zelda game since like Ocarina of Time. Hmm. It was um, Twilight Princess for me. Yeah. Like, I just, I got so sick of waggling that stupid fucking thing around to swing my sword and the just exhausting thing talking to you in cutscenes. Right. Yeah. Um, and Not Navi or whatever. It wasn't Navi in that case. It was some weird Tron headed demon <laughs> that followed you around. Right. Uh, and I, hey. I, I tried playing, uh, I actually tried this like last weekend, try, uh, uh, Mario galaxy two, like wondering if it's now it's been long enough since I played a Mario game that I'm capable of having fun with them again, um, and it was yeah, it's okay. I've heard people talk about Mario Galaxy Two, like the Giant Bombcast guys, really hold up Galaxy Two as a good modern Mario game. I I agree. I, I, it is excellent. Galaxy's like it, the one that's like on a bunch of spheres. The first one was. I think the second one they eased off on that a little bit. It's it's a little bit less. Um, loopy in terms of like uh just being confusing from the camp like you're running on the underside of the planet okay um (laughs) which would happen a lot in the first galaxy two is a lot more arcadey in terms of level design it was sort of like super mario 3d land right like it yeah a little bit fixed camera in that yeah a little bit in that direction um and 3d world also like clearly excellent but it's probably the first Mario mainline Mario game I haven't finished. Hmm. And it's just like I, I I have a very I have deep affection for this series, but I just have oh, I've I'm over oversaturated on it. Um There like there are too many games? No, not it's not not that there are too many games, I've just played them too much. Oh. Think about you're offered a choice between playing Super Mario World again or playing Super Mario Galaxy 2. Yeah. Or the original Super Mario Brothers. Oh, it, are you guys trying to make a point here? No, I'm just no, I'm I'm, curious. I'm trying to explore this. Like, oh, yeah. I would pick World. Yeah. Um, I like the 3D ones better. Okay. So I probably would go for Galaxy 2. Um, World is the one I have... World specifically is one I have the least specific memories of because that's one I did not play in its era. Mm. I never owned a Super Nintendo. Um, I have a deep affection for Mario 3 as well, but just played it to death uh, in in every iteration of it. Um, my, my affinity for Mario is Super Mario Brothers and then Super Mario Brothers 3 and then Super Mario World, and that's basically it except for all of the like rpg stuff paper like, paper mm, mario putting, yeah. a lot. putting those tropes like a mushroom heals 10 hit points like <laughs> fucking sign me up like 
ha- like letting that iconography become a thing that governs a set of turn-based RPG systems yeah. is like music to my ears. The fucking cooking and Paper Mario, though. Yeah, get the get the people who did uh, the Doom RPG. Get them mm. to do a Mario RPG. Didn't John Carmack make Doom RPG? Um, I think he wrote the engine for it. I thought he actually. My understanding was that he actually just did all of that, like, because uh, he also released Orcs and Elves. Yeah, no, they um. So the, shortly, so after I remember was that not just him. I remember reading his. I think I don't think he was a planned file anymore, but I remember seeing his posts about this. Oh, you didn't uh, find they, this by fingering him, right? No. I, I did that so much in the 90s, though. Like, his plant files are super interesting. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about when we make this dumb joke, there was a command in the early, like, command line-based internet where you could finger a user at a system. And when you did that, it would give you the publicly available information about their account. And if they had a file in their directory called .plan, there was another one, too. Was it .project? I think so, yeah. So there were two files, dot .project and dot .plan, and those, like the finger protocol, was was coded to look at those files and display them. Like, this is what I'm working on right now. Dot .plan was like, this is what I'm going to do, I in, guess. In detail, yeah. And so it was like, like editing your dot .plan file then was sort of like posting to Twitter about right. stuff. Well, sort of. It was like having a blog that whenever you made a post, it erased all the previous posts. Yeah. Uh, but people archived that stuff. So yeah. you can, if you, you can, if you look for Carmack's plan history, you'll find websites that have a more reasonable interface to look at it. Um, he was definitely the programmer for Doom RPG. Right. I, what I remember is that um, it contracted the uh, Orcs and Elves and... Um, the other the the Doom RPG and the Wolfenstein RPG I'm not sure if the Wolfenstein RPG actually exists. Uh, is that I remember he contracted that stuff out to uh, Fountainhead Entertainment, which was his wife's company. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Is his wife Catherine Anna Kang? Uh, that sounds right. Maybe founder may- and CEO of Fountainhead. So yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, spouse John Carmack. Children. Do you think that was a an Anne Rand? Yes, definitely. Reference? Definitely. Huh. So did she have the company, but only in service of his, like, knowing exactly what to do uh, at all times? I, I think like it John was... Galt? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I I, I think... Um, I think his only involvement in that was writing the renderer. Okay. Wolfenstein RPG was really good. I played it on iOS when it was... When it came out for iOS, and I, like... 100 percent of it it was like an awesome i remember liking I, I played doom rpg on the ds and i remember enjoying it i i played it on a like a feature phone <laughs> like right. one of those phones that had like a 256 by 256 colored screen yeah like it was like it would run java right apps right that you could buy like using the buying a ringtone interface but the controls were way too bad so i didn't like get into it but yeah fair enough i was never gonna play a real game on one of those phones i was really intrigued by the idea that you could just run these really small scale games on that hardware but they never really nothing ever really delivered on it even a good game like doom rpg that would have been great if you just had better controls it was like just too cumbersome to be playing it by and that's that is a 
sort of device history that was so short that it like that just didn't get explored. Like yeah, there was just not enough time. I mean, there's gotta be. I mean, you could just run those things in a browser, right? Sure, like they're you just could. they're just tiny Java apps. But nobody cares, right? Like I bet somebody does. I bet there's a website somewhere that is cataloging all of the games for the like. But like all the games that you could buy for the Motorola Razor, yeah, mm. they were probably mostly like bad arcade ports. You know, like I, I doubt that there's more than a couple of worthwhile games that are worth going back to on those platforms. Man, I remember playing some sort of game about like bouncing a ball around, <laughs> <laughs> and that was just on my little you know like candy bar based phone or whatever for that I had for years and years and years. Yeah. If we're talking about like the dark ages, I remember uh having a timer on my uh on my wristwatch where I would try to stop it close as close as possible to the ninety nine. Yeah. Uh in in the hundredth of a second. Yeah. And <laughs> So it was like a game that you made up the rules for. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. It was, you know, it passed the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, about a second at a time. Yeah. I had a Pac-Man watch when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. It was one around in the sort of... It's really in the Game & Watch era. I guess it was. But this was just like a little Casio. Just like a calculator watch, except it just played a little Tiger LED style... Or LCD style Pac-Man game. Yeah, those are cool. I had a calculator watch for years. I was definitely that kid. <laughs> I was very proud of you being have, able to do pa- math on my wrist. Do you have a Apple watch now? I don't. I don't... I. Like, I stopped wearing a watch the moment that I got a cell phone that told the time. Right. I was like, yep. fuck this wrist garbage. Yeah, I mean, it. you already have a device that, that'll tell you the time. You yeah. don't need this extra device. So there's a... There's Just a, for the convenience of being able to, like, look at your wrist. Yeah. If you go to java.mob.org, you can download a lot of Java games for... I, I just searched for Motorola Razor games and found this. Here's one called Long Flight. The description is, the war is almost lost. Small detachments fight huge number of enemies. Choose the needed class of the ship and start your last mission. Your task is to destroy as many enemy ships as possible. Game features, four ships, high-quality graphics, well-developed artificial intelligence. That's Got pretty great. Four guys, ships. I'm doing it. I'm going to play Long Flight. Okay. It has four ships, and I can choose the needed class of them. You... We should maybe do that as an assignment if it actually just runs in a browser. <laughs> Long flight. Yeah. I would fucking do one of these as an assignment. That sounds good. Because, but like, we need to a... like ask the listeners what's the actual best one, so we well, don't do another uh, ease. But is it's Ugh, fine. Christ, yeah. It's <laughs> fine for us to do bad games every now and then, right? Because like th- there is so I much mean, to be learned from that mistakes. You're right. Okay, let's do another ease. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that one again. In fact. <laughs> Attack Ferret writes, What is the name of the practice of punching out or cutting a circle at the end of an interior cut in a piece of paper to prevent it from tearing? I keep seeing this more and more on things, and it's obviously meant to prevent tears, but I've Googled for hours, and I cannot find anything about this at all. What are you talking about? Wait, so, like, the, like... You make, like, a fountain pen style? Does that really ease... That's like drilling a hole in the windshield at the end of a crack. Okay. Or, like, I had always, like... Uh, slicing a little bit across it with a glass cutter to right, stop right. to stop a crack from spreading. That makes sense, yeah. But then it just bifurcates and starts going in two directions. No, it doesn't really. 
We have to drill a hole at either end of the two now. Just have one of your servants get a new windshield for you. I don't know why it's such a problem dealing with a crack in your windshield. This, I mean, this seems very much like that, uh, I've totally forgotten the name of it, that Japanese uh, thing where you, like, inlay the cracks with gold. Mm-hmm. What is that called? I'm also trying to think of the name of a Japanese thing, but it's that thing that water flows through it Kintsugi. and it makes the donk sound. Yeah. Makes the dog sound? Donk. Oh, donk. It's like the water fills up at one end and the it comes down and it hits a rock or something. And then water comes out, and so it it goes it goes back up, and then the water fills up at one end, and it hits the it makes a donk. I think it's called a deer scare. Okay, are deers afraid of donk? I guess so. I mean, why else would they call it that? This is actually a really good question. What do you call this thing that is a practice that should have a name, even if it doesn't necessarily? I, I'm going to call it Chad hammering. Okay. All right. Now Shamu, you know, listener. Shamu says, is the video game Hot Dog Slack as lively as you hoped, expected, or dreaded? I think it's fine currently. It hasn't gained all its possible momentum yet. I think it's great, actually. It's slow enough to follow. Yeah. And fast enough to check periodically throughout the day. If I don't check it for a day or two, I am intimidated going back in. Because it's, I know that there's a bunch of history. Well, why would you not check it for a day or two? Why don't you just go hang out with people? <sighs> because I'm Stop working. being such an elitist prick. <laughs> I mean, keep working. Yeah. <clears throat> there is some, there is just some level of, like, traffic flow that is, like, optimal. It, this is probably related to the, like, number of people that you can possibly oh, Dunbar's interact with. Dunbar's number, yeah. Dunbar's number. Because yeah. we've got to be close to that, if not at that. Right? It's like 150 is the Dunbar's number or whatever. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how many people you're allowed to know before Dunbar gets mad at you. Did, uh, anytime you see somebody tweet at us like, hey, why am I not in the Slack? I assume you, you check. Oh, yes. I have, you know, so that, the, the person that tweeted at us that they hadn't gotten their Slack invite, like, I don't know what happened when I, when I went to reinvite them, it said they've already been invited. And Hmm. then I found a way to resend the invitation and it got through the second time. So I think like most of those problems are are not, not not, getting, no, they're email, not getting to its intended recipient, which is just like, that's just a problem with email rather than a problem with us. Yeah, I was I was assuming that it's like the Slack mail server is like occasionally gets fucked up somehow. Cuz that's a thing that the fact that email works at all is Yeah, and I, I would I wouldn't put it past any mail server from fucking up occasionally. Yep. Email, man. You guys play any video games? I uh, so I I finished Steven's Sausage Roll. Oh, there's an ending. Yeah, it's fucking it great. It's so have, good. Really? That's that's awesome. It's such a good game. Uh and then I didn't expect it to have a great ending. That's, I mean, it that's just cool. It just it like the whole last world is mm. really satisfying in a in kind of an interesting way. Okay. And, yeah. So and it's it, not like the ending cutscene is amazing. Right. There's no there is no real ending cutscene. There's there's like a, a plot that kind of like unfolds over the last world, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but then I went back and I was like, you know, I feel, I just feel smarter 
yeah. now. Yeah. And I went back and I played like I went back to Snakebird, which is a game that I had sort of given up on because some of the levels were just really fucking hard at the end. Right. And I went back and I just solved them. Like Steven Sausage Roll just makes you smarter. It just wow. It is and and I mentioned this, I was in a different Slack and I mentioned this and somebody was like I was like, Yeah, I I also had the same situation where I like I was playing a different game and I went back to it after playing Steven Sausage Roll and was just better at that game. And this might only apply to like weird, like grid based sort of strange Sokoban style yeah. games or whatever. I hang out with a lot of people who, who are, are into who that. spend a lot of time thinking about Sokoban. Yeah. Uh, but still, like, this is this is the first game that like I would I would play a level. This happened to me three or four times where I would I would play a level and be like, ah, man, this is really hard, and I would just shut the game down, and then I would like either go lay down or like be trying to fall asleep or whatever, and just thinking about it, and then and like have the realization, oh, I understand what to do now because yeah. I was like conceptualizing it in my head and just sort of assimilating the rules like did you have any nights where you were like feverish and dreaming no, that you were solving I didn't. fake steven sausage that would be puzzle? horrible i hate that like that yep. that thing that happens every now and then uh, what i was most impressed by when you told that story was that the puzzles were even towards the end small enough that you could keep them in your head yes so and that was a that was the problem with snakebird which it was, right. was the game that i went back to which was that the possibility space, especially on the harder puzzles, is so large that it just feels overwhelming. Right. And I think what happened is that, like, Steven Sausage Roll is so tight and constrained that you can, like, you can basically keep the whole thing uh, per level in your head and deal with it just sort of offline. And then you sort of develop this, like, strong faith that there is a solution, that everything that is in the puzzle is important. And you go back to a different game that is also well designed, but that you had sort of lost faith in maybe. And just having that like, like there's got to be some way to do this. If I pursue an avenue and it's not working out, try something else and just keep experimenting until something works out. And that just that that methodology just worked. That was one thing that I feel like I did learn from playing, learn about Steven Sausage Roll while playing. It was like, if there is a space on the board it is there for for a reason reason. yeah and so if there is a weird island off the top that you can't get to like that needs to be there and it needs to be that shape so what does that tell me about where these things can go yeah like and it doesn't seem like there are ever any red herrings at least in my experience i have not gone back to it um it is it is definitely worth your time it really really is like you know, and it's the game is not for everybody. I definitely can't say that, but it is like if it appeals to you at all, it is definitely worth spending the time to finish it because I, I think I think it just I makes wonder, you a better person. I wonder if playing a good snowman is hard to build, like made me good enough to get to the good part of Corrupt. Huh. Hmm. Probably not. You might though. Yeah, man. You could go back. So simple, but so hard. Steven Sausage Roll, man. Yeah. Snakebird, also really good. And, like, I don't know that I talked that up enough when it came out. Like, I feel like that did not get as much press or whatever as Steven Sausage Roll, but it's also really, really good. How many copies do you think that Steven Sausage Roll has sold? I have no idea. Do you think it is more than a thousand? No idea. 
I would not be surprised to find out that that game sold like a thousand copies. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. I mean, we bought four, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's true. So multiply that out by all the other podcasts. Mm-hmm. I have not heard anybody on any other podcast talking about it. I guess maybe crazy. Idle Thumbs there. talked about oh, it a little bit. They? Yeah. Oh. And but they were like bewildered by it, right? Like they played it and were like, "I recognize that this is probably a really good game, but I don't understand what it is about it that makes it so good." And and I tried to think about that for a long time. I was like, "What what is it about this game that is so satisfying?" And it's like the people that don't get why Braid is good. Yeah, like Stephen Sausage Roll is. Everything is there from the very beginning. The only thing that changes is the very particular small details of the level design, but the rules don't ever change. They don't introduce... Right, it's not like you power up and now you have this other move in your arsenal. It's like, no, now there's a wall here, so you have this other move in your When you said that, I was imagining it... Well, so you you had said, like, in in some... In, in like, World 2, it introduces stabbing sausages. Right. And that's part of the level design and not, like, a new ability you have, but... It's effectively a new ability you have because of... I mean, they made, it's the same choice that was made, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, just presented, it's just presented in the reverse way, right? Like, instead of you acquiring something, it's just like, oh, the world is slightly different now. And it gets, like, the differences are so subtle as you go on, right? Like, there, are, there start to be, like, I think in maybe the third world or whatever, there start to be this pla- the places where you can, like roll off of a of a of a boundary such that you can fall and you like you'd separate from your fork right right that's a huge thing that happens that might not even be until like the fourth world or whatever like but then that that, that feels like a spoiler that feels like a major spoiler to me uh, yeah i mean like things like but it's it's like it but the world doesn't really feel that different. It's just like subtle, different configurations of like how yeah. the blocks are arranged, right? Like, I, I kind of wish that uh, you didn't have to solve all of the puzzles in yeah. one world to get to the next world. It, like, that's you. You have to have mastered all of the form because, like, it just assumes a literacy with everything up to that point. I mean, oh. yeah, but getting... would you be in a sh- in in a position to solve the puzzles in World Two if you hadn't? Solved everything in World 1, like, mentally? Certainly I don't think so, yeah. Some of them you could, though, right? And, like, if there's just a Man. trick that you didn't learn, looking at another puzzle that you had to do that trick on might give you the insight that it took to figure out how to do it in the first puzzle, right? Well, like, unless, like, th- this new puzzle is requires two tricks, and you have to think of both of them at once right. now. Th- this... This whole conversation I've been thinking about Dark Souls because it has a very similar approach. Well, I mean, the, the well, notion of like like a particular thing as the Dark Souls or something, right? Like, yeah. Except that Stephen Sausage Roll is gated much more artificially than Dark Souls. Right. Yeah. Because of the because of the well, requiring right, like the, completion yeah well so, to move so on. my assumption i never got past the first world of steven sausage roll but my assumption is that you solve all of the puzzles on an island and then it creates a sausage on the island that you then have to use to get to the next island correct right so yeah. that like that's well, just so a the, key. The, the better way to do that if if it were doable is to have a puzzle that you can't solve Unless until you've learned all these tricks, until you've learned how to solve right. it by solving all the other puzzles on the island, 
Yeah. There is at the end of the fifth world. There is a puzzle that you can access that you cannot solve right away. But that is not exactly what you're saying. Yeah, that's not not the same. It's called thing. this. The puzzle is called dead end. <laughs> to I think to encourage you to to like not spend a bunch of time there right away because you could just go to crazy trying to solve it without right additional insight. Ah, I should play it some more. So Every good. time I play it, I solve a few more puzzles. I mean, right? it's like yeah, it's it's not like yeah, it's so good. What and else? Then I played a little of Blindoku, which is an incredibly simple game, but very hard. Where it like puts a, a color in one box, and then a couple of blank boxes, and then a, another color in another box, and you just have to arrange these color blocks that you have in this sort of a palette up above into the the sort of blending order from one color to another yeah it's like making color like there is this thing for making pixel art called color ramps where it'll just be like a palette of a bunch of different colors slightly variating into variating into each other right and yeah so you're just constructing you're just those. building one of those and then it gets a little trickier than that because it'll like branch at some point. So you have to like both do a, one sort of like across from one color to another and then up to the thing or it'll just well, give you so do, so do a the starting ramps. color. Like if you, if you if you just like Google image search color ramps, there are some that are like, well, this is like this is a way that you can have some green things on the scene and some blue things on the scene. But they work together like because hmm. the saturations are similar and like they're connected gracefully through, you know, like I think in a lot of ways it's to make it so you have more colors that can be adjacent to each other that don't look bad. That's clever. And so it's that it, the video. It game. really seems like, yeah, just taking those and then saying, all right, well, what if we took these and then pulled off most of the pieces and then asked you to put them back where they go? Right. It's hard. It's surprisingly hard. Uh, but, but cool. Somebody, I think in the, in the Slack recommended it. I'm surprised you hadn't seen it. I like, cause I played it, years ago probably. a couple years ago yeah. yeah um it's it's one of those things where i think that eventually my color vision becomes a problem and there are just gonna be things that i just can't do but i got i mean a lot of it is value based so I, you know what i mean like like it's like grayscale ish yeah so like that's that you're probably okay with it's like with the weird like red green variations yeah if if there was if there was a puzzle where there was sort of a green branch on one side and a red branch on the other like those subtle gradations is where i sort of lose the ability to distinguish that's about that i guess i played some more hearthstone i've been keeping up with that i played the the tavern brawl this week which is apparently a new format like i guess here's a question how often is it a new format and how much of it how often is is it sort of a revisit of a former version they've they've played i would say that 60 <coughs> percent of the time it's a repeat of one of the ones from the first i mean like for the, the first like 10 of them or whatever were all, all new new yeah um it is often a repeat now it's exciting when there's a new one and it happens pretty regularly this one this week's is fun though like you pick Super two neat. cards and your entire deck is just copies of those two cards so it was basically everybody trying to zero in on the most degenerate like cards so good. to pick to yeah. just kill super super fast 
I, my, like, my it, first deck was a uh, was like was really bad, <laughs> but like both one cost creatures that like could do a little damage, a little extra damage or whatever. And then I like went up against somebody that had a much stronger composition of the same kind of thing. It was I think it was a rogue where it was like uh, does damage to the the character directly for one for one mana, and then one that like if if it's a combo, it gets a plus one plus one. And I was like, oh, that's much much better. And then. Like, like, the problem with that is that the decks are so easy to construct that, like, it's the moment that you fight against somebody that has a better deck, you just copy theirs yeah. wholesale, and that's just going to be, like, it's just going to degenerate into everyone having the best deck, right? I mean, that's kind of the game in microcosm, right? Oh, is it? Because, well, because eventually the meta stabilizes, and you just start uh... looking at deck lists online. Like, I have stopped winning games since the last expansion came Do you out only play ranked games yeah more okay like i just have never played a ranked game and that's i feel like that's why i'm still interested in it because i don't think i would want to compete because i'm not at that point and i don't yeah, winning know that is i want fun though but like how is it different to be winning in a ranked game versus a standard it game? like flashes lights at you and gives you <laughs> stars and stuff and you, okay. you you actually start to get material rewards from it like what like at the end of any season where you get well so past rank 20 you get a card back but then right. you also get like a chest at the end of the month that has like some gold and some cards like some gold cards and like if you it, like if you get a high enough rank in ranked play you're like guaranteed to get a legendary at the end of the month. Huh. So, and like I've never I'm never anywhere near there, but but like that's a, a that's a draw. Yeah. I have a really hard time. Like I I tend to cap out at like rank 12 or 13. Does it get lower? It gets lower as you get better, yeah. So you, you start, start out at start out at 25. So 20 it seems not that far. No, it's not. And you can't lose stars below rank 20. Like you can only like if you keep playing, you will eventually get, get to, to rank 20. twenty. Oh, okay. you just have to win enough games, and losing games doesn't get you any further from it. Oh, okay. Um, huh. So yeah, they make the card backs really easy to get. So rank rank thirteen, I think, is like seventy fifth percentile. So I don't know exactly how that scoring system works, but it tells you at the end of the month, like you achieved rank this, putting you in the top like x percent of players okay and it's like i despite the fact that i think of myself as being pretty bad i'm usually in the top like you know 20 25 okay which just i think it just means that most people just aren't playing it that much or like that, but that doesn't make sense though because the people who are doing well are going to play more so you're like paying attention at all yeah okay yeah. sure but it but it does stabilize into like you're mostly playing against the same decks over and over again, and so you just need to like I see. make sure that you, you know well you you just need to be playing a deck that is going to be competitive, because it's like you know face hunter, which is a hunter deck where all you do is damage the opponent, like try to ignore really? minions as much as possible, can often win on like turn five. Really. Yeah, just because there's like there's just a bunch of things that Hunter can do. It was weakened a little bit prior to Standard coming out and kind of came back after Standard because some other you know, some other things that had been put in place specifically by the designers to like stop dominant strategies in the meta revolved out of Standard and Face Hunter was largely reliant on original 
set cards oh, and see. not expansion stuff remained pretty effective got a few new tools. how is it how is it not directly countered by like a priest who has like effectively the opposite powers right like well because it's not just the hero power that does but they like they have it's, healing it's in the place they would, where the, the they hunters, have like hunters direct... have a lot of stuff with charge hunters have okay. like passive board removal with secrets right okay you know there's just like you know it's just it's just stabilized into a into a deck that's very hard to beat and those decks change a little bit over time but th- this brawl like deck construction consisted of making two, cards. two choices yeah and so it's really satisfying it is but also the meta stabilized really fast and you started losing all the time unless you were doing the exact same thing that the people who were winning all the time did like, you, you basically had to have like the the strongest deck I saw was that nuts nutso mech deck. Oh yeah, you get the one creature that makes summoning mechs cheaper, and then the other one that is a mech and adds stats to all your other mechs. Yeah. So it's like you do nothing for four turns, and then you cast everything in your hand, and suddenly you have a board filled with crazy high power creatures. Them in the, yeah, you kill yeah, them and then you turn. kill them in one turn. Yeah. Like, you know, there was I saw people doing variations on what you did the mana worm which is a one mana one three that gets plus one attack every time you cast a spell yeah and arcane bolts or whatever which is the do three, three damage. damage one at a time to random targets right um the, i preferred the unstable portal because it was like way more creates variety. fun yeah, yeah. It, it puts crazy that because unstable portal is a spell that both ramps up your your mana worms and also gives you the ability to cast a new creature yeah, which is sometimes really fun. There, I saw a bunch of people playing a shaman deck that was a creature that summons another creature when you play it, and then evolve, which oh, randomly yeah. converts all of your creatures into things with one higher mana cost. Yeah, that's really which fun. That just created this like really interesting like weird board complexity. That's really. That's I like really to see the shaman getting some love. I like a shaman. <laughs> I like a thrall. It's neat how they tie it into the, like, World of Warcraft character concept. You care just enough about World of Warcraft yeah. lore to think it's cool, and so do I. <laughs> like, we're not going to get into it, but it's like, I remember that guy. Like, I think Thrall is a cool guy. <laughs> right. Right? Like, I just, I was like, all right, I've done a bunch of stuff in World of Warcraft where I got to talk to that guy, and it's like, well, the deal with his character is he's a good dude, so I think... <laughs> Thrall is a good dude. Like, boy, you know who I don't trust is that, is that Grom Hellscream. But Thrall, Thrall's okay. Why doesn't Thrall get a last name? Oh, because he was an orphan. It was so sad. Remember, he was like... Thrall is literally means slave. captured in that internment yeah. camp, and they named him Slave. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? A lot of orcs would get bitter and become really like mean to humans as a result of that. But no, he was like, man, I'm just going to like 420 blaze it, chill out with the forces of nature. Isn't there like a, don't you go back in time and rescue him or something in World of Warcraft? What is what was the one of that Cavern of Time thing? Who you were rescuing an orc? Was it Thrall? Oh, maybe it was. That was great. That was like that was such a good like uh raid thing. It was like here here you're going to go back in time and do things from the history of this game and like you're the one that actually rescued him. Like like you become part of the like historical context of the game did they ever do anything cool with like the old version of uh 
of the world after Cataclysm. Like, you could go oh, back huh. in time and do... I not think, fly. I think that Caverns of <laughs> yeah. Time... So, the way that Caverns of Time worked as a dungeon was it just had copies of parts of the world that yeah. it treated as instances. Right. And I bet those are still there. Yeah, probably. And I bet they could do more of that if they wanted to. I Like, Caverns of Time was before they really opened up raiding to casual people like mm. me. And it was so interesting to me. Yeah. I, I like... I remember doing a couple of them with uh, with Nightball because because like, Nightball will sometimes do the like legacy. We've done this raids. several times. Like actually, like all right, we're gonna have another raid night. Like when an expansion comes out, suddenly you can just solo another tier of old raids. We'll just go do a bunch of that stuff. The Caverns of Time stuff was the interior of the Caverns of Time was weirdly like lame and not satisfying. Okay, but. All of the stuff that you did was pretty cool. I remember it being exciting because it was one of those places like Mount Hyjal that you could like sort of fake your way into, like wall climb or whatever, before it was a real place. And so it was exciting to like get in there before it was actually really fleshed out and then also later go back when they had like released it as a finalized area. It's also weird that, what, all right, we need some way for people to travel through time. How about. Caves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, did you ever? Did you ever watch the TV show Get a Life? It was Chris Elliott uh, had yes. a sitcom. There was. He was trying to figure out in one episode how to travel through time, and uh, he was like, "In his, as I remember it, he's like, you know, walking past things in his garage, and he's like, well, should I use this time machine? No. What about this time portal? No." I've got it. I'll make a time drink. And he just like makes a milkshake with watches in it. And that's how he travels through time. It's pretty good. Yeah. Cave would have worked too. What's Chris Elliott been up to? He wrote a book like 10 years ago called The The Shroud of the Thwacker that wasn't very good. He was in. Not not, not answering my question. He was in There's Something About Mary 15 years ago. (laughs) Again, avoiding the answer. Was, Was he one of the wet bandits? Or am I thinking of a guy who looks like no, Chris Elliott? No, that guy kind of looks like... that. The The guy who's the narrator from uh, The Wonder Years is the guy that you're thinking of. Okay. It was it was Joe Pesci and that other guy who was also in, like, City Slickers. And he also narrated Arrested Development? No, that's Ron Howard okay. that Arrested, that arrested right. Narrated Development. The, Joe I'm Pesci, glad we Joe Pesci made me think of Marissa Tomei, who is... Uh, this is not really a spoiler, but she's the new Aunt May. Oh, is that guy's name right? Is... Like that's a good, that's an interesting casting is that, choice. Is it Daniel Stern is that guy's name? Is that actor? Oh, that sounds. Daniel Stern? It sounds right. Yeah, Daniel Stern. Yes. What is the wet thing that you were mentioning? That's the, in Home Alone. In Home Alone, oh, he's, Home one, Alone. He's, he's one of the bandits in Home. Oh Alone. yeah, he does yeah, kind of yeah. look like Chris Elliott, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. No, he definitely does. But okay. Anyway. Yeah. Time cave. Sure. Pretty good. Time shake. Pretty good. Pity, pity, pity good. What have you been playing? Uh, who are you pointing uh, to? One of the two of you. Okay. I, 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 uh, I've been keeping up with Alcazar. Okay. I've played like the daily for the last year or so, I guess. Have you played the new Kings and Queens levels? Uh, yeah. I, um, Is there something I've, different about them? They're just, no, they're like brand new. Like, as well, they're, like they're new ago. puzzles and they're huge. Yeah. They're just really big levels. Um, and I've finished all of them except for 
number six of the Queen's Rooms. Oh. Which, like, so Alcazar for me is a lot more of an activity than a puzzle at this point. Like, you have, you've internalized all the rules, so you like can fill in like all the the basic stuff really fast. Right, and um, I I, I know a lot of the the meta rules. Um, I have a lot of meta patterns that just like okay, the the. I know that this has to be the exit from this region and this has to be the other exit from this region. So I can just fill it in all, fill it all in and block off the edges. Um, and I think that this might be a puzzle that once I finally push through it, will actually teach me something new about Alcazar. Oh, that's satisfying, which is neat. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it, and it's a little bit sad, actually, that the other sixty, other fifty nine new puzzles didn't. Right. Um, Do you feel like you are solving each one? Let me rephrase. Can you solve each level as a blue path, or do you have to lock in and experiment? Oh, you mean like just draw it linearly, like in the witness? Or? No, not linearly, but like. Can you solve each level with as a logic puzzle? Oh, I see. Without using lock. Without and, having and to lock without it and doing experiment. experimentation. I almost always do experimentation. Okay. Yeah. That, um, that's that's the question because because it's like a lot of the time I can do deduction, but you, like and I, I probably for most levels could do deduction for the whole thing, but most of the time it's faster to experiment. Right. Right. It's like, that's actually another. That's actually an interesting question. Like I I, I could. Um, go back to some early puzzles and see how, how much more difficult they become without doing trial and error. Right. This is going to sound like a shitty thing to say, <laughs> but I, but I, but please just take this literally. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm listening. You guys don't get bored with, with, with Alcazar. Right. Like, I'm, I'm surprised that you guys like this in the same way that I would be surprised to find out that you were like really into Sudoku. It does feel like the same kind of thing as Sudoku to me. Sure. Um, it Because like, I think of every Sudoku as being the same in a way that every crossword puzzle is absolutely not the same. And that's why I like crossword puzzles yeah, you and were, not Sudoku. You weren't in the room for this, but I was talking about um, with Kevin about how it's more of an activity than a puzzle for me at this point. Okay. Um, but that uh, this new level I'm stuck on is I'm probably going to learn something new by solving it. So that, uh, but also that's a little bit sad that the all, the other 59 new levels that got introduced aren't teaching me anything new. But yeah, it's 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 more of just like a, a thing to do to pass the time than an actual puzzle puzzle for me. It's number six. Number six. What is? Puzzle Queen Queen's puzzle number six. That's the one I'm stuck on. Uh-huh. It's got a lot of constraints. Now I'm curious. Have you not have you done I'm I am still working so I had to restart. Yeah. So the game does not have any kind of cloud saving. Right. I got a new phone. Right. So I had to start from the very beginning. I just I did all the puzzles again. Yep. So I'm working my way through the kings. I like I've completed the whole game up to the newest expansion, basically, and I'm working my way through the King's puzzles at this point. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I was able to do all the other um, levels in that expansion pretty quickly. But that's the one that's, like, it's really... Really can't make progress on it. 
Uh, and I uh, started a new character in Dark Souls rather than playing the new game because... Basically because I was frustrated that, like, okay, all the secrets... I was going to play the new game and, like, be part of the zeitgeist. Right. Um, but it turns out, and I think I talked about this last time, too, that, like, everybody... The zeitgeist happened the week before launch because everybody played the Japanese version of the game. So, like, there are no, no, there are no more secrets. So I, I can imagine playing a Japanese version of Dark Souls 1 and being no less or more confused about <laughs> yeah. what any of the UI meant. It, it and, and all the dialogue was in English. So, like, oh, okay. it was just the UI. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and I'm, I'm going back and I'm checking out all the, the stuff that I missed on the first playthrough. And that game is really rich with optional, interesting optional content. And I won't go into detail for spoilers' sake. The but original Dark Souls. Y- yes. Um, I won't go into details for spoilers' sake, but for the people who know what I'm talking about, I have um, I have fought Crossbreed Priscilla and Dark Sun Gwendolyn, and I visited Ash Lake. <laughs> yeah. It's, the nouns in this game are so good. Yeah. I really love the nouns. Um. And, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's where I am. And th- those are optional... Encounters. Those are optional encounters. Yeah. Okay. Is it, is it Bloodborne that has Vicar Amelia? That's. That oh, right. Vicar would definitely go in Bloodborne. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah man. Ah uh, shit. Or there's Ornstein and Ornstein and Smaug, but there's also like what what are the other bosses' names in the original Dark Souls? Um, the the ones that have so I'm just gonna I'm trying like, to think of the think cool of the, one that I, that I can't. Do you remember anything about the boss? No. So, what's the cool. <laughs> what's the cool dragon duke? Oh, Seath. Seath the Scaleless. Mm. Was I had to look up what a duke was, <laughs> as I recall. <laughs> He's the one that betrayed his kind, right? Yeah, he because he didn't have scales and he was jealous. Right. Cole explained this all. Yeah, things. it was yeah. good. That was, that, was, that was super satisfying. Oh man, I should have been on that episode. <clears throat> What's the tower that you go to? Uh, the whole game is a tower, so... Um, Isn't there somebody's tower? Don't you go to somebody's tower in Dark Souls 1? I don't think so. I can't think of a tower. What are the, there's, something, there's an area of the game that's just somebody's area, is its title. A Sen's Fortress? Yes, Sen's okay, Fortress. Yeah. There we go. Who's Sen? Uh, I don't think that's ever established. And I listened to the Bonfire Side chat about it. I don't think they know either. Hmm. They're, and but, they're like... Serious. Yeah. <laughs> Who yes. is the tiny being from the tiny being's ring? I, I don't know. Don't take that, apparently. That makes you a dummy. I took it because I'm a dummy. Yeah. yeah the, the, You're uh, supposed item to take the skeleton key, right? The like, item description lies. Yeah. Um, the master key is uh, the most powerful starting gift. And it. I, I'm actually kind of, kind of regret that I took it my first playthrough because it allows you to skip large parts of the game. Huh. Um. And I ended so up, would you rather have had the dummy ring? Well, I would rather have had neither. There's good items, right? Like the tiny being's <laughs> ring is really bad, but is the most appealing if you believe what it says and yeah. don't know what you're doing. What does it say? It it says it like gives you a, I think it gives you health regeneration is what it says. Yeah, it it but acts it, as though it gives you health regeneration that go that scales up with your health. Okay, but it just doesn't. But it doesn't give you health regeneration at all. 
What does it do? It gives you like 10 extra HP that doesn't scale up with your health. So like fuck? 10 extra HP is like 5% on level 1. And then it just gets worse from there. It's not a wor- it's not worth taking. Um wow. That, the the that's master awful. The master key is by far the best item. Like I can't think of another one that's really that great. Um but it, I mean I don't want something that has me skipping content. Right. Yeah. Does it do anything besides like opening doors? I think it would be really hard to tell if you didn't know. I mean, I don't know. I think it would be hard to tell. Like you would find a door and open it and you would get someplace where things were really hard and just kicked your ass and you were like, oh, this is Dark Souls. Yeah. I must not supposed to be here. Be Okay, yet. here's a question. So you're wandering on Dark Souls and you encounter an area and something kicks your ass. Right. How do you know? See, that is an excellent question. <laughs> you text Cole. <laughs> am I, right, am I, am I in a place? Did, right, because I because like, like, all right, am I just I've bad been at told this? that this or game is, it... is really, really, really hard. Right. I immediately left Firelink and went to the cemetery right. where the skeletons were just kicking my ass. Right. And I thought, well, I mean, they said this game was really hard. Yep. Is this just what it is? But like, nope. There's a way, way easier area in the other direction. Not that way. Not that other direction. That other, other direction. <sighs> okay. That you couldn't really see. Yeah. And I... I've huh. been paying a lot more attention to what like what people say and what items say in this playthrough. And when you say what people, do you mean like the there like are NPCs? NPCs. Oh, yeah. Okay, not like did Dark Souls have the multiplayer like signposting? Stuff? Yeah, it did. Yeah, and I'm actually playing on um, I'm playing in offline mode, so I'm not seeing that stuff. Okay, can you even play? Because it was like needed Windows Live. Um, Did they patch that out? The, yeah, it, it's using Steamworks now. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm actually playing it on 360. Mm. Um, basically, so I can play in offline mode, because the PC version doesn't allow that. It's just, fuck invaders, I don't want to deal with that shit. So it's it's both the like having to deal with other players, but also the bullshit lies that they tell you in the... In well, the, I don't mind the, the bullshit lies. That stuff's fun. Okay. Um, but I'm not getting that Jump either. into this hole. It's great. No, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Hidden path ahead. Okay, sorry. This is this might be a total digression. I've been seeing uh, like a little video clip that I don't understand uh-huh. on the internet. Uh-huh. It's someone. It is so because I understand video games. I understand that someone has somehow transformed into a chair, uh-huh. and then two enemies run past them. Yeah, and then they like I've seen un- this untransformed yeah. from the chair. They like turn back into a wizard. They like charge a spell, come around a corner, and then like blast them into a hole. Yeah. What is that? Dark Souls? I think so. I think that's Dark Souls three. Um, are mo- you a wizard in Dark Souls? Uh, you, you can. There be. are classes that can turn into chairs. There's a, there's a there's a spell called Chameleon. Okay, and it'll turn you into like a common scenery. Like every every region of the game has a different like scenery object that you become. And the computer gets confused because you're a chair. No, those were um, those were players that, that either they were invading or they were being invaded. I forget which. Okay. And they were. I, I think that they can invade. The Alien might team? actually work on NPCs. I'm not sure. They can. Yeah. Inv- no. You totally. Wow. Fuck so, that. So it, it probably probably it's not people invading as a team. Although like you can be double teamed. They don't like join together. They don't like. They just, uh, they they're just not. They're opted, not playing they, together. They opted they just, to. Dis- you got invaded to ruin twice. You. I see. Wow. Um, that is awful. Most likely, what happened is that I don't remember. You can tell by the looking at the colors of these people. 
Like if the uh, you if say the person, that, like I don't if the person who was the chair was red, then they were the invader. Um, but it was from the point of view of the chair. Even then. Oh, I see. Okay, so they could have been the invader. Wait, so when you're an invader, you look red to you, but you don't look red to the. You you look red when you're the invader, no matter whose screen you're looking at. Oh, even when you're a chair. Uh, I don't think the chair's red because then it wouldn't be a very good disguise. It was uh, also the chair was like in the middle of like uh, the hall, so like it didn't make yeah, a lot of did, sense. It wasn't very. I didn't think this might not it be. It shouldn't real. have been very convincing. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, uh, probably what was happening was that those two people were playing uh, co-op, oh. and that this was the person who invaded the world and then killed both of them. Wow, so mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why I'm playing offline. God. <laughs> yeah, and then I saw another another video that was. Some dude, like, killing a skeleton by, like, knocking them off this narrow bridge and then, like, going over to, like, look down and be, like, triumphantly looking over their their body, whatever. And then some skeleton coming in like a missile, like, <laughs> like just, like, diagonally and, like, hitting them and knocking both of them off this narrow bridge. And I was like, what I, the fuck? I haven't seen that one. Like, if, if that was a video in Dark Souls, it was probably one of the bone wheel skeletons who, like... Okay. Roll up in a wheel and then roll at you. Sure, which is pretty horrifying. Yeah, I <laughs> the the community around this game is kind of amazing. Okay, and I say that even though I hate them all. Um, <laughs> but they they you can uh, appreciate and hate at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I played another couple of hours of Overwatch. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Did you have fun? Is the first question. Sort of. Some of the time. <laughs> Good. It's one of those things where I feel like if it catches on and I know people who are playing it and they'd be willing to play with me, I'll buy it and play it with them. How do you play as a group? I don't. Wait, this is a game you buy? Yeah. Overwatch is like 40 bucks. That's a surprise to me. Yeah. Well, what would the what would the in-app purchase be? Oh, I mean, it's a... Okay, wait, wait. I mean, I, so I've like, forgotten already which is Battleborn and which is Overwatch. Overwatch is Blizzard's Team Fortress, Team Fortress 2. 2. But Team Fortress 2 is free. No, it's not, is it? I think it, it might is free be at now. this point. It yeah. might be free now. Yeah, it wasn't, though. No, I mean, not, not, to, not at launch, for sure. You had to buy the orange box. Right. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm just... I'm surprised that, that that game costs money. I just... I did really poorly, you know, and didn't really... Like, so often would get killed and I was and and I didn't even think, know why well I don't know what happened so it must have been that fucking guy with the arrows because there's like a sniper guy with a bow and arrow why don't you play him I cause it says he's hard to play okay I was just sticking to the kind of easy ones there's like a there's like a kind of anime girl in a mech who seems fun and durable okay um because the mech has a lot of hit points, and then when the mech gets killed, you get to just be the girl, and you get way faster. And oh. then you get, if you can charge up your ultimate ability, you can call down a new mech. And then is, get back the hit points. And yeah, which is which is Wander around and kill things. Okay. Um, but it's a real short-range weapon, and it's... So you're know. wandering around these 3D spaces, like these world, like these little sort of arenas, right? Levels, yeah. And you are, is the goal to kill everybody else or to like hold the territory or what is Often the? Often the goal is to hold a control point. Okay. On the map, is it um, like sort of like a capture the flaggy type thing? There has not been anything like that that I have seen. Okay. 
I feel like there is a vocabulary for these sorts of multiplayer objectives that I don't necessarily have. Sure. There is one scenario that happens in like a couple of rounds where there's an objective that you either do or don't do. So there's one where you have to like control an area for a certain amount of time and then like a car starts moving from that area to another area and you have to guard it. Defend it, yeah. Okay. Unless you lose, in which case a different thing happens with the car that you have to do i oh as part of the same like the same scenario scenario. yeah with just a a different end game that plays unless i was just really misunderstanding what happened um fascinating you know yeah i i'm I'm never going to be any good at this but i might be able to have some fun do you continue to play the random one i didn't that was too too hard like a couple times i tried playing like a healer or support class and just had no idea what i was doing so i felt like i was like like i was just worse for my team than not being there is there like kind of like single player intro content for any of this there's like a tutorial there's no for each character no this seems very unblizzard yeah i you know i don't know if heroes of the storm is like this i don't know i don't think you know there's some tutorials for like here's just play this guy he's the simplest guy we'll teach you the basics of the game now be one of 40 characters i i wonder if i could play hearthstone i can't i'd have to make a new like battle net account or whatever because i'm i'm curious what the total new player experience is like because it was very confusing to me coming into it because i had played a little bit when it first launched and then like so much had changed and they just gave me a bunch of shit when i like came back Oh yeah, I haven't done the tutorials in a long time, but there's just this they they, they send you through four or five fights against AIs, right? Where I, they would, slowly introduce concepts, yeah. And so I that stuff had already been done, and so I was just like thrust into like so you guys addressed this to some extent with Kingdom of Loathing, right? Like for the new player coming back, there's a there's just a button that you can press to be like uh, start me re- over, yeah, just reset to the beginning, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. And because yeah, like and it's it's like eleven days. You eleven days pass. You can just press that button, <laughs> right? Because like, that's potentially long enough that like you don't remember what you're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. We don't really throw that at people the way that we should. Like I feel like if someone hasn't like if somebody comes back after not logging on for more than a couple months, we should just say, hey, do you want to start over? Don't you like? I, th- I remember that happening when I logged in again. Oh, maybe I, think we do. It, I think I think it gives you a prompt when. If, I mean, assuming you're reading things and not just oh, clearing. Yeah, maybe away. it does. I mean, like this is clearly an idea that I would have. So maybe <laughs> I had this idea years ago and did it. But... Right. You should wait. You should wait eleven days and then log in. Yeah. Or you could just change the number in in uh, MySQL to eleven <laughs> and then log in. I uh, I, bu- I bought a book. I, so I have this sort of collection of books from the 80s that are like a bunch of lists of basic source code games. From the 18, that I, you, have a, you have a book collection of, from 1880. Yeah, it's from like 1880. Basic, there's that's basic amazing. Source, source code for Babbage's analytical engine um, for playing, playing a, L- Lunar Lander. Well, yeah. Babbage's, except they had no idea. Like, Babbage's... Right, a, a, analytical system <laughs> for integrating components. <laughs> good. Yeah. I don't... There is no way to have, like, a comprehensive collection of these things because there were so many of them. And, th- like, 
Just like books with programs in them? Yeah. And like there there were it's weird that there were so many of them. Because... I, like I only remember like four or five. So there, clearly I did not understand the 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 depth to which this went down. I, I think that in like databases that I have seen of these, there are like many thousands. Wow. Right? Which which makes it impractical to collect them. You know? I, yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of them in my life. The, the, I mean, there a was there were... was that like the canonical. I, I think of it as canonical because it was the one that I had and that I saw on your bookshelf. The like the yellow and the red. Yeah, the yellow, the hundred basic computer games. The, the, the Be- because David that was from yeah. like yeah. those were from like seventy eight and seventy nine. When it was like the like the yeah, the, the, like, so super it was like early. that was like when there was only one. Yeah, right. And create creative computing was the only magazine that was really in that space. But then it exploded uh, in the 80s. Okay. And, like, it's not, like, not exploded to the point where it was, like, popular, popular. But it exploded to the point where there was too much of it for one person to pay attention to. I see. Anymore. Um, but I found it was just another book that seemed to be, like, a kind of main line book by this guy, Tim Hartnell, who was just a this British guy. He's, he's, he died really young. Like, he died in the 90s, I think, of just some kind of weird cancer when he was in his 40s, maybe. Um, but he wrote a couple of the books that I really, really liked when I was a kid. But I bought the experience of buying this book, the big fat book of computer games, was weird because I found out about it somehow, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's a thing that belongs in my collection." Like, I'm not going to buy all of these, but if I find one that looks interesting, I'm going to buy it. So I went to eBay to look for it, or I went to Amazon to look for it, and they didn't have it anywhere. So I went to eBay to look for it. And there was, it was like, well, you can buy it now for 15 pounds GBP, or you can make an offer. Like, huh. How about a dollar? <laughs> okay. So, well, you know, so I was like, well, I don't want to be, like, a d- douche. So I offered, like, half of the asking price. And then just a couple days later, I got an email saying, ah, your offer expired. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then a couple days after that, I got an email from... A woman named Desiree, I think, who said, oh, I'm so sorry. I was out of town for the weekend and I missed your offer. If you submit it again, I'll accept it and we'll get you the book right away. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, sub- I, I do that and submit it. And then it shows up and my name and address are like calligraphied on the outside of the envelope. And when I open it, it's inside the envelope. The book is like wrapped up in wrapping paper. It's... Wow. And it was just from this, like, Scholasticus used books in Liverpool. And it was, like, so nice. And I felt so bad. I'm like, I just, like, (laughs) I just, like, negotiated this woman out of, like, $9. And then she did all of this for me. Like, I feel really bad about. You should go buy something else you don't want. I should. I should. I should buy. Like, all right, it's 15 pounds. What would you take, 25? (laughs) Why don't you go to Liverpool? I could go to Liverpool and just like thank her, like yeah. you know, give her a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's like an old woman. I don't know, like no one else would have that kind of time to wrap. Yeah, to wrap up a weird, obscure computer book from 1984. Was it wrapped in some sort of like uh, circuit board looking wrapping paper? <laughs> no, it was like just the way like if an old lady gave you a present, it would be like okay. It was just, it was really nice. That's cool. It was like, it was such a like weird, I, I did not know that eBay had a thing where in eBay stores you could just offer less than they were charging for things. That doesn't seem like a thing that would happen on the internet. 
Is it is it like buy it now or you can offer less? I mean, like yeah. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, and maybe they'll take it. And I mean, it's advantageous for the seller to just like, oh, let's price it high because if somebody offers me anything, I'll take it because right. I paid ten cents for this. But like, whatever, might as well. Yeah. Like, because I might have just paid. I would. It would never have occurred to me to pay less than the asking price for it if eBay hadn't said or make an offer. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, like, I have nothing to lose. Right. Why not do it? And then when it didn't get accepted, I was like, oh, of course not. But then when I got the email, I was like, oh, weird. This is a real roller coaster you're on here, Zach. <laughs> uh, but the book is just more, you know, it's basic computer games that are that are designed with a weird array of arrays, complex, yeah, of arrays. So there was this 3D tic-tac-toe game where almost all of the source code was like the most naive tic-tac-toe like solution checking algorithm i could imagine it was just hundreds of if statements that were if this square and this square and i'm like tim i know you're a better programmer than this what is this like because it's not always like that like so you were just reading the code Because you're not going to actually type this no, shit No, I'm in. not going to type that. I yeah. mean, mostly I was... So, so like, what what I do with these now is I read... You know, they always start with some transcripts of the game. Right. And then sometimes I read the code. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll skim the code because I'm, I'm interested in it. Because it's the thing that I was interested in when I was a kid. There was one, like, fairly interestingly designed game in this that was... It was, like... I guess he had been on a real, like, Civil War history book tear. Because all of the simulation games were Civil War battles in this one. That's not always the case in his books. But this one was... It started out... The the, the game board is like a 5x6 array of Civil War battlefields. So there are 30 of them. You choose whether you're the Union or the Confederacy, which doesn't make any difference at all. And then you are just, you said, all right, you have 100 troops, and it just asks you for each of the 30 battlefields in turn how many of your troops you want to deploy there. That's that's the, like, input? So 30 questions. Yeah, 30 questions in a row. Where, which, oh, without, without giving you the results? Yeah. Well, them. it doesn't. You're just setting up the board at this point. So you, Whoa. You, so you're just distributing your troops, not knowing where the enemy is putting theirs, right? Whoa. And then the way that gameplay works is on your turn, you select one of those battlefields in the grid. It tallies up how many troops you have in all of the adjacent squares versus the number of troops that your enemy has in all the adjacent squares. And whoever has the most eliminates the enemy troops on that square whoa so you you go back and forth taking turns on this weird thing where it's like kind of snowball-y but like kind of strategic like, oh my god this is this is amazing actually because like the, it's in, a, the inner squares have so much more weight yeah it like and you the, which ones you choose like can you see when the game starts who's... you can after after you've distributed all of your troops you get a readout of the entire map and so then your like, your forces and the opponent's forces and their so forces. you know yeah. it's a foregone conclusion yes. and now it is like a math problem yes wow it, so that, this is surprisingly good design yeah, this is why and this is why cool. this is why I seek these things out because that that's like, great that is a thing I have never seen before pretty interesting yeah as a design and like just 
it's in the middle of it is in the middle of so many games where there are no choices to make. Like that's that is the the, yeah. the hallmark of the like worst of these is games where you just have no ability to influence what's going on yeah. at all. And a lot of these, a lot of things were like that in this era of like, well, we need to be able to write a comprehensible game in maybe 150 lines of basic code, you know, so we can't really go crazy with this. There were several, he was really good at writing small scale games that worked like NetTrek kind of where there was a grid and there's a bunch of letters on the grid that indicate different things and each of your moves is either move north south east or west or you know drop a mine or whatever and so there's a bunch of different variations on that and that was the shit that i just made when i was a kid like just those were the things that i like they were comprehensible to me and i had seen enough examples of it in this guy's work that it was like oh yeah i know how to i have techniques for like storing things on a grid and displaying them and like just turn-based moving around on a grid is like what computer games were if you didn't buy them at a store, you know? Right. Like if they were things you typed in from a book or things that you wrote yourself, that's what a computer game was. And so you made just so many of those and those could have really pretty simple rules and still be pretty fun and like have emergent things happen inside them as a result of the interactions between things. But a lot of them were just like, no, like every turn you just hit a button and then we'll roll a die and we'll tell you what happened. Like it was just sort of like mm, yeah. variations on Candyland. And it like it's it is weird that and then sometimes they were like rudimentary text adventures that huh. were all of the puzzles were completely spoiled by you typing in the source code. Right. Did I I, I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast, but I remember Finding a book that was just, Rot thirteen. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. yeah, it was a it was a, a a basic listing, like a book long basic listing of a text adventure, and all the text in the listing was encrypted, so oh, we wouldn't God. spoil it by typing it in. So you were typing in gibberish for thousands of lines. Oh, that's so that's so awful. It's great though. I mean, it's well the. What I want instead of well maybe or or in addition to uh, the physical book is a disc yeah. with the yeah. games on it that I could just run. I think that was impractical from a publishing for, standpoint well, for like ten then. years. But, yeah. like, but nowadays, you well, could, right? But nowadays, you just get a you can get games for free that somebody else typed in for you. You know, like it's not well. That's that's what I mean. Like I'm looking. There for, is like, no. There's got to be like a. Maybe a, like a brief golden age where there was an overlap between the two. Yeah. There were no, magazines. There were magazines I mean, though, that like, came with can... like a disc or a, C- or a yeah. CD. Yeah, or whatever. Big Blue Disc was one like for yeah. IBM PC that was like a like an every couple of months thing that just had like different programs on it and like a bunch of shareware stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just mean like downloading something I can load into an emulator that someone has illicitly distributed. Basically, <laughs> is what I'm looking for. Yeah. For a long time, like I typed in and I think for a while like made available on the internet just about like text files that were a bunch of the 100 basic computer games like oh, I wow. couldn't find them digitally anywhere <laughs> did you ever OCR any of the old stuff no I didn't have a scanner at the time no, that would make so much also, more sense the than printing is really bad is it like I, I almost feel like like seeking out typos in OCR versions of that would be slower than just typing it my first scanner was uh, a thing that you rolled down the yeah. page uh-huh. and it was half the width so you would have to you'd roll it down one half and then you'd, you'd roll it down the other half and you would like have to make like 
hope that you like did it right such that they would line up well. That it rolled straight and yep. you didn't go too oh, fast man. at some points. Yeah, that's, those yep. were terrible. I mean, flat, those, when it was probably like an optical mouse where they changed the ROM. <laughs> Just way before optical mice. Okay, way yeah. before optical yeah. mice. When flatbed scanners were still like a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, this is this was like a, this was like a hundred and something dollars or whatever. And I yeah. was like, oh, man, that's like. There's so many things that I want digital, but when flatbed scanners were a thousand dollars in like 1996 money, yeah, right. It's so like, just like the scanner that I've used for making KOL. It's like are just variations on like a forty dollar scanner (laughs) that doesn't even have a power. It's just powered by USB. How does that work? It's magic. (laughs) Because it used to be like scanner lamps would get really hot and like it was you really like it wasn't until really cheap mass market leds Mm. that flatbed Mm. scanners got cheap right because you could do like a low power really reliable amount of light speaking of magic though that uh the video that's been making the rounds of the marbles and magnets thing is so so good yep Uh, have you seen this jim i don't think so it is you should you should definitely like part of the show notes when you look this up or whatever <laughs> is to look up this video marbles and magnets it is basically like level design on like an awesome like marble video game that is just played out in like with it's physics like, it's Neat. like a slanted table with a bunch of ball bearing <clears throat> magnets and marbles, marbles and rubber and, balls yeah. and and strings and sticks and stuff that it, it is that is just so like these fucking like, satisfying easily well designed yeah uh, Rube Goldberg machine things. That sounds really cool. It's, yeah, oh, it's so. Good. And the conceit is, it's just one giant thing. It's clearly like little setups or whatever. But like, oh, so so good. The cl- the cleverness with which the like magnets are used is just like like awe inspiring in, <laughs> in a lot of places. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I don't. I just saw that on Reddit, and then I posted it everywhere that I could. So I don't know. I saw it on Twitter. It's like it was definitely making the rounds. Yeah. Another good reason to join the video games hot dog slot. Oh yeah, you'll see stuff like that. Maybe like a day before everybody else does. I I feel like Slither Slitherio or whatever was like you. Got, you were an early adopter. super early adopter. Yeah, because yeah. that did not that did not reach the consciousness until yeah like a couple of weeks later. You, I, you I find visited... something and then a week later, every tween girl loves it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I visited a friend who was fostering some kittens. Yeah, uh, which was great. And all the kittens were playing Slither. <laughs> well, specifically, it was her daughter. <laughs> I see. Was uh, who was also a cat. Yeah. Yep. Because California. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's, it, I saw the papers. It's I legal. got this cat legally declared my daughter, so <laughs> yeah. I could take it on a plane. Yeah, yep. so she could play Slither.io. <laughs> so I could get her. Yeah. So I get her a phone. So I can get her an Apple ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I just needed it for test flight. Yeah. <laughs> she's just Q and A, but now she's my daughter. Hmm. Uh, Feel like, oh, you know what else I played a shitload of for the last few days for some reason? This Flash game that we played years ago when it was on Congregate called The Space Game. Okay. So it's just you building a sort of a node graph of energy producers and asteroid miners. It's very much like Creeper World, 
except it takes place in space. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's a real time strategy game, I guess, if you had to categorize it. But you're just sort of building a base that's like these are nodes that will let energy move around. These are nodes that will convert nearby asteroids into minerals, which you then use to build other nodes. Some of which are guns, some of which are missiles, and just waves of ships come at you at different rates in the different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I, just for whatever reason, was like in the shower and I remembered that game and I thought oh, I should look that game up and play it again and it's like really satisfying but it's just called the space game and it's you find it on maybe on congregate I guess still did you know that Edmund McMillan designed the logo for congregate I did recently find that out by seeing him posting a bunch of sketches to Twitter super cool right like yeah. weird those guys are all friends yeah, that's why it's a turd with a <laughs> crucifix in it. <laughs> You're also wondering why the, right. the Congregate logo was a crucifix turd. I am excited about... Well, so, I hope that his new game comes out. I hope it's not like Mugenics. Although right. Mugenics was not interesting to me at all. Nothing that I ever saw about Mugenics made me care about it. But the, like turn-based rpg with binding of isaac assets okay wait is that a thing that's happening that's, yeah that's the new game what is, it's called the legend of bumbo or something yeah. it's called the something of bumbo and it's just like it looks like it looks, ed mcmillan is making a small numbers rpg and sounds, i'm stoked that, that sounds like it could be really good it's super super binding of isaac styling yeah. from the little bit that i've seen yep yeah Anyway. Is Bumbo a thing in Binding of Isaac? Not that I know of. Okay. But I don't know. I stopped paying attention to it. It's not a thing in the the first couple of years of Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's a, that's a thing that already you just can't go back to. It's this like the Tron 2.0 of <laughs> of the modern era. Do you mean the Flash version? Yeah. Yeah. I went back and played a little... Crypt of the Necrodancer. How's that hold up? Pretty well. Yeah. Melissa's been playing a bunch of it lately for whatever reason, uh, and so I've like played a couple of the daily challenges, and it's it's just a it's just such a solid game. Yeah. It's so well crafted, and they're he's continuing to like update it. Like with what? I don't know. Just tweaks and yeah, like adjustments. Not like adding huge swaths of new content. Not that I'm aware of. But just adding, yeah, tweaking it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It does feel like a game that can support a fixed amount of content. Yeah. Before it gets weird I, enough to lose its identity. I wonder how, like, I wonder what the like financial situation of that game. I think they did was pretty like, well. I would hope, like, it, like it is such a good game, and it was like so well crafted over time. But it took a long time to build, yeah. right? So, like, that's like. Had that guy made anything else? Yes. Like that sold. I mean, is he? Is this like a Brendan Chung situation where, like, everyone's waiting for? Well, no. I mean, like, like, like my my understanding is that like you know your quadrilateral cowboy is basically funded by Adam Zombie Smasher which just made a bunch of money well, they, so he, he's like, made like four games that are all make, bringing money in like uh 
Thirty Flights of Loving is still selling a little bit. Oh, was it not free? It was like five bucks on Steam. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gravity Bone was just free, right? Oh uh, yeah, and then it comes with. Uh, I, it comes with Thirty Brandon, Flights of Loving. Send us a listener's mail. Let us know what your, fi- <laughs> let us know what your finances are like, so we can just stop speculating. Uh, Brendan <laughs> was on a, and this might—I don't remember if he actually talks about that—but he was on a podcast called Playscape LA. Oh yeah, that's the, like um, the new, like LA like interview thing in the game scene down there yeah that although like awesome. apparently the guy hosting it is now moving to canada so like okay <laughs> after new, like new eight scene. episodes uh, whatever um he's gonna change the name to playscape l a yeah good um but he talked a lot about um like his work life in that and his, his work history and like day-to-day what what his life is like which is what the podcast is about does he work at glitch city yeah okay yeah, but I, I mean, Crypt of the Necrodancer seemed like a. It seemed like a big deal. Yeah, it needed to us. Well, the right, but but I mean, it was a thing that was in development for it a was, really long time, seemingly full time. Like, which sure. leads me to yep. wonder, like, where did the budget for that game come from? Like, even if it was just keeping that one dude alive, right? Yeah. It was in development for long enough that that's a lot of money. Like, I mean, I'm he, just curious. I don't, about, I don't know what else Ryan Clark has worked on. Um, it's. It's very possible that he just had a programmer job for five years and used that money. Right. Yeah, I mean, that happens, right? Yep. Games come out of that. Yep, they do. Do you guys want to talk about this assignment? Sure. Let's do it. Star Fox 64 3DS. I didn't play it as much as I feel like I should have, based on both the fact that it was... a uh, listener recommendation and also that it was forty dollars i kind of hated it Mm. i don't i feel like i don't often hate games but like it just made me angry i think i might have hated it because i was bad at it so that is like that's a caveat right like i did not spend a bunch of time getting good at this and there was like kind of complicated controls and i think maybe actually playing it on the 3ds as a first system is kind of a deficit because i think maybe the gyro controls actually make it harder oh, I, I turned off the i did not let them turn on the gyro controls and then i was really mad when it said which difficulty do you want and it presented you with two options without telling you which one was harder yeah oh wow it was like this one is balanced for the gyro controls yeah. this is <clears throat> closer to the original difficulty i'm like Fuck. Yeah, no, that that's a terrible choice. Well, like, so are the, is the gyro harder or not? Because I played it with the gyro. I played the gyro difficulty and with gyro controls. I played gyro I, difficulty with gyro controls off. Okay. Uh, I have no idea which one I chose. And it was easy until the fucking tank level, which was the biggest garbage. Yeah. The, that, that's where I. That's where I like threw my 3ds across the room almost Uh, like i i just rage quit after getting killed by that boss the third time and i was like all right i'm just gonna read about this game (laughs) i really really like everything about this game except the part where you're like in a vehicle shooting at stuff (laughs) yeah i i actually finished it which like it's an arcade style game so that's not like a huge amount of time investment but i was hour maybe yeah i was really surprised at I I don't know if I'm I I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing and so I didn't feel like I was doing really well but I didn't have that much difficulty with it I was so fucking pissed off that the like my like co 
fighter pilots just didn't fucking do a goddamn yeah. fucking they, thing. All, all they did was like ask for help. Yes. Oh God, screw and, them. And it, eventually, it was like, get this guy off my tail. Why is this guy still on my tail? Zach, why are you so bad at this game? Zach, right. Zach, why do you suck so bad at this video? Zach, Zach, uh, what the fuck? Zach, Zach, come on. Yeah, I felt a lot more pressure to save those guys than like I ever felt in danger myself. And uh, uh, but then a lot of the time, like so the the text that appeared, the the, the dialogue that appeared appeared on the bottom screen, and I was never looking at that no. screen. So that's one thing that's hugely different from the. N64 experience where like all on one the text appears in your field of view right but they're also it's voiced right like so like you don't oh I I was I was listening to podcasts Mm. oh (laughs) fascinating okay but no they're they're definitely annoyingly talking at you the whole time okay good to know yeah I thought about listening to podcasts but then I was like eh, and I just unplugged my headphones from the my phone and put them into the 3ds the tank yeah. level I, so like i got super frustrated there uh turns out you don't have to fight that final boss yeah if you get the if you get all of the switches shot so Which something that i very much like ap- four tries to figure out something i appreciate about this game is that it basically has an adaptive difficulty because oh the like the branching through the solar system the branching through the solar system happens based on your achieving things in the levels it's right like mostly on the bottom but a couple times yeah. bouncing up I guess that's when you did well on one of the okay like, so the bottom the levels on the bottom are the really easy ones and like that is a great structure I wish I was just always on the bottom I didn't want to go any higher than yeah that that's point. actually that's the way adaptive difficulty fails is like oh shit I did well for five seconds now the game's gonna be really hard yeah. Like, I remember Max Payne being where, like that. Where failure makes it so you have to start over. That's right. the shitty part. What right. the yeah. fuck are the checkpoints for? You you restart them when you lose a life. No, you well, do not. That happened to me a couple of times. I, like, you have to fly through the checkpoint to get it to count. I I Well, I thought I would, like, I would fly through what I thought was the checkpoint and never, I never started over in a checkpoint. You know, so something that I was never that. able to figure out how to do was the U-turn. Like, when mm. I hit the combination of controls that the isn't 3DS it, told me to do the U-turn. thrust? Set down and break. Down and break. Which didn't okay. ever do anything. Hmm. I don't... I, I, used, don't. I used the D-pad for that stuff. Huh. I, I found the free roam mode to be infuriating because that verb just didn't work. And I don't hmm. know what I was doing wrong exactly. Also... I didn't really ever get a grasp of how locking on the laser worked. Yeah, me either. That basically never worked for me. How does it work? Do you? Nope, no idea. I don't know. Like, I got to the so I I, got, I guess I got to the second to last level, which is the one after the tank level, and spent I think probably forty five minutes on the final boss because it just keeps looping, and it is not it is not so hard. Like I I didn't understand what to do for like twenty minutes. And like it just keeps looping with the same thing, and your shields recharge, so like you can just keep going through it. And like you do enough, like you destroy the like garbage that it creates, you can't figure out how you're at. You don't like I could not figure out how to damage the boss. It did not have a, like a boss health meter at any point in the fight that I got to. Which which thing were you fighting? It it is a like sphere that phases in and out. Uh, it opens up with three leaves, sort of. Uh, and then tentacles come out. You have to destroy the tentacles to get the, to get to the phase where it opens up and like you can destroy the shields or whatever. You have to destroy the tentacles. 
between like it'll be like it'll have tentacles for like 10 seconds or whatever then it phases out and launches like missiles at you as you do better as you finally figure out how to like destroy the stuff inside it starts firing more and more missiles at you so it like becomes less and less practical that you're actually going to stop not to have take any damage each right. round or whatever uh, but I, I never, I don't, I have no idea how far I got because there was no progress meter on that boss. I wonder if you were like in accidentally in one of the harder levels because I don't remember that fight. Yeah, no, that, that was definitely one of the ones where I had gone accidentally gone up. Okay, and shit. was like, fuck, I have no idea. I, structurally, the game is really interesting because of that thing, right? Like, the, so there's on they the first they level, you, they don't, they it doesn't tell you at all. Yeah, yeah. which is, but that gives you cool things to discover. I. I just thought Which it was is random. Like the the weird thing to me was that I was able to finish the game on my first. It's, a, it's an arcade style game, and I was able to finish it on my first try, and that's not like I don't have a problem with that. Like I I, I think games can have, and can be easy and can be inter- still be interesting because you replay them and and you get better at it and your score goes up or whatever. Um, but it it felt very strange because it's so arcadey because it's like it, it made me think of like afterburner where you die in 30 seconds right. 3d world runner or whatever right. like that yeah also and it reminded me of those games because i could never fucking tell where anything was or no, yep. what i was aiming at or when a thing was about to hit me as opposed to being half a world in front of me like it, yeah the the final boss of the game was the worst for that those those attacks like the the final boss of the game is basically an enormous monkey with like with jetpack oh. gloves. Okay. And is like that Andros or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And it's actually just the head and the hands. Okay. And like the hands would like punch you or clap at you. And right. it was like half of the time the hands are start the attack off screen. Oh, so like you can't tell where you're supposed to not be or be or not be in, and there's no depth cues. Like, I actually turned 3D on because no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> it the new 3DS, it was actually okay. Like, it didn't do that nauseating ghost thing that the old 3DS oh, the ghost does thing. Yeah, to you know where everything looks like it's fucking like a, half like a ghost, there and yeah. like it makes you think you're dead. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I always think I'm dead when I'm using the 3DS. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> I actually played this with the 3D on, and it helped. Okay, okay. Um, I did not, so maybe that was one of my disadvantages yeah. as well. It was hard because I have this new cat who yeah. I had not... This is the first time I had tried to play, to play a handheld video game with this cat, and you know how some cats just really want to be they, in they between... They hate when you're a they ghost. They really and... want to be in between you and your handheld video game when yeah. you're a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> this one This one wants to be? Yeah. Well, I think it is that cats know that they're supposed to eat your face when you die <laughs> in your house, and so it's like, well... He, hmm. well don't they, like... I feel like I'm supposed face. to eat this guy's face, but he's still moving. Well... So it's like, I fucks up I think they just want to eat instincts. your face all the time, and they just have to check whether you're dead a lot. Okay. That's what a meow is. Is are you are you dead yet? Yeah. Every time your cat meows, your cat is just saying, "Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet?" I'm hungry. Are you dead? Are you dead yet? Oh, speaking of which, I need you to feed my cat this weekend. Oh shit! Right, your face. Uh, you're gonna need to like let me know how to get into your house. Well, okay. Just die, and you'll be able to go right through the door. (laughs) Okay. Like a ghost. Like a ninja. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, you could not die and go right in through the window like a right. burglar. 
I'll get you a key. Uh, so for our next assignment, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take a, a Patreon suggestion from Andre Boubel and uh, play Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is a game that I really wanted to play anyway. I'm a gay. I say game with real quotes around it. It's a walking simulator. I've actually heard that Everybody's Gone to the Rapture is way more of a walking simulator than most. It's of the pronounced walking. in Dear Esther. James, <laughs> video James. Yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, video James Crawford. Mm-hmm. Video Jim. <laughs> it's pronounced video Gim. Uh guys, are we done? <laughs> yeah, I think I we mean, might be. We're done with episode four hundred thirty-one. Four hundred thirty-one <laughs> of Video Games Hot Dog. I've had a I've had a fantastic time recording episode number four hundred thirty-one of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again in like four years. Yeah. And listeners, I hope you'll still be alive in those four years. And well, that you, the, well, you should. You should. Thank the 3DS, speaking, some of you won't. <laughs> the three DS won't have you should, claimed you. Should you should thank the Patreon people. Yeah, thank you, Patreon yeah. backers, Patreon. Fuck. No, 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 no. For saying Patreon. Our other listeners should thank our Patreon. Our other oh, listeners should call. thank the Patreon yeah. backers for making this uh, show available. You can find us at uh, videogameshotdog.com. Uh, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash VGHD, where you can toss us a buck or two if you want. Uh, it'd be really cool if you did. Um, a lot of people have done it, and it's really cool that they did. We used it to buy this Star Fox game that we barely played. So you're, <laughs> everybody's really getting their money's worth. Um, it bought us some sushi. It got Jim over here on a train. I mean, Jame. They got Jame over here on a train, and uh, it's Train Jame. They call you. They made a documentary about, <laughs> yeah, about that. I was one of Adriel Wallach's projects. You know, yep. uh, you can buy a ticket to me for like forty bucks next year. Do it. Forty bucks an episode gets you a ticket to Train Jame. <laughs> Are you going to do a Patreon for a train hot dog? I, th- I thought this was the Patreon for Train Hot Dog. I'm still waiting <laughs> no. for my check. Mm, okay. I just gave you a check. That's that's true. You did. Good night, everyone. Good night. Have a great week, everybody. We don't know you shit. <laughs> the end.